You are listening to the Living Way Church podcast. For more information about Living Way Church, go to livingwaychurch.cc. Well, today we continue our series called Jesus Unfiltered, and uh, the number one way that Jesus shared and talked was through a method called parables. Uh, these parables are make up a third of all of his teaching. Um, they're short stories that tell us of heaven, tell us of hell. Tell us about uh, God's economy and, and how God looks at the world in the kingdom of heaven. And uh, they're often hard to understand, hard to accept, hard to believe, because they confront us with issues that, that frankly, are not easy to discern. And, in fact, most of the time, he shared these unfiltered parables, and his disciples would take him aside afterwards and say, Jesus, we don't understand what you're even saying. Why is it that you're always talking in, like, these parable riddle type things? And this is what Jesus told him when they asked him. Mark 4.10 says, when he was alone, the 12 and the others around him asked him, What's up with the parables, about the parables? He told them the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, his disciples. But to those on the outside, everything is said in a parable so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Now, what does that even mean? Why does it seem that Jesus is trying to make things so difficult for everybody? These parables were, were they're, they're more than just illustrations and delightful stories that have a deeper meaning. They're actually, and I want you to write this down, it's in your notes actually already, is that parables were given to both conceal and reveal the truth. See, they were designed to conceal the truth from those that just wanted a snack from God, that just wanted a taste, that just wanted the, the good stuff, the, you know, the, the loaves and fishes and the freebies. It was to separate those who just wanted a slice of God from those who truly hungered and thirst after God. You know, Matthew 6, 33, Jesus said, seek first, that means chase, that means hunger, first after his kingdom and his righteousness, and then all these other things will be added unto you. And Matthew 5, 6, he says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be fulfilled or filled or satisfied. Guys, the parables were designed to confuse those that were just dipping their feet in the waters of God and to reveal truth for those that were ready to jump in. So these unfiltered parables often address very difficult issues that many times at the end of these parable stories, people left because either they didn't understand it or they didn't like it. So today we're going to jump into a parable about three runners. Today's message is called The Runners, and it is, as you saw on that video, the story of what's known as the prodigal. Now, the word prodigal is not even in the story. The word prodigal is wasteful. This is the story. It's become known as the wasteful son or the prodigal son. Prodigal doesn't mean runner. It means wasteful. So here is the story of the wasteful son, but there's actually three runners in this story. And many of you guys have heard this story. I've actually preached on it a couple times over the years. Last time was like three years ago. Uh, don't let your familiarity with the story keep you from getting a greater message here, okay? So let's jump in the story. The backstory is this. Jesus is hanging out with tax collectors and sinners, 
Who are the sinners? Well, according to uh, the Bible, Jesus often spent time with drunks, pimps, prostitutes, adulterers, the sexually confused, and the thieves, the broken and the lost. So then you've got all these religious guys, the Pharisees, which are kind of like their pastors of the day, uh, were always addressing Jesus on, how dare you hang out with all these thieves and these tax collectors who were like the lowest of the low for them because they were taking their money and giving it to the Roman government. So they were really upset. So the Pharisees or the religious folks called them out and Jesus responds with three parables. Those three parables are the parable of the lost sheep where Jesus says there's a shepherd that leaves the 99 to chase the one that is lost. And then he says a story, a parable of the lost coin about a woman who turns her house upside down going through everything she can to find one coin. And then he shares the story of the lost son. So there's a lost sheep, there is a lost coin, and now Jesus gives a longer story, the lost son. The response of two rebellious hearts. See, this parable is about two sons, not one, but it is about three runners. Let's take a look. It's all about the lost and found. That's what this parable is about. That's what the sheep, the coin, and the son is about, and God's desire to have them home. These are stories for grown-ups. These are stories for mess-ups. These are stories for the, uh, for the stumblers and the envious. Uh, I need this story. Let's dive in. Luke 15, verse 11, Jesus continued. He just shared the, the parable of the sheep and the coin, and then he says this. Now, there was a man who had two sons, a dad and two sons, running the family business, all right? So I want you to imagine uh, their meals every night. There's a dad and his son number one, son number two, one's the older son, one's the younger son, and uh, they have a place at their dad's table. And they have a meal where they get to have dinner together. So imagine this house, the three of them, the table is set. The younger one says to his father, he says, Father, give me my share of the estate. Now, basically, they're going to get it when he dies. But what he's asking his dad, he says, I want to live like you're dead already. So I want you to give me my inheritance Try that one out with your parents, young people. I want to live like you're dead already. That would be extremely hurtful, painful, and disrespectful. And it was for that younger son to ask his father that. So he, dad, divided his property between them. He gave them each the value that they would have had of their inheritance, which is a third of his possessions, each. So not long after that, he stuck around the house, probably getting his maps together, uh, playing with his money, uh, posting it on Instagram, you know, showing how, how he's rolling in the dough. And not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, and he set off for a distant country. I want you to realize this. This is important because the Jewish people felt, remember, the listeners were Jewish people. He's telling a story. The best way to get the parables is to hear it the way they would hear it. So he's talking to an agricultural community, and he's saying this farmer, his sons, his inherit man, that's, this dad relies on both of his sons and looks for his legacy to be fulfilled in both of his sons. So the amount of disrespect, and, and I mean, it's vile to think that this 
son would ask for his inheritance and then leave. And not only leave, but he goes to a distant land. You see, the Israelites uh, believed that they lived in the place, the only holy place that a Jewish person should ever live, Jerusalem and Israel, the surrounding areas of Israel. Um, So when he leaves to go to a distant land, he's basically, Jesus is telling the story, he's saying he's leaving his family's faith for a pagan land. He's leaving his community of faith that he grew up in, and he's heading off to a community that does not follow their faith at all, into a pagan land. And there he squandered his wealth in wild living. His immaturity showed. He heads to Vegas and he blows it all. Another woman, another shot, another hit, another needle, another game. So you have now a father whose son has left. He once sat at his father's table. He benefited from his father's provision. He had a place at the table with his dad, but he didn't want it. He wanted his own thing, so he did his own thing, and he left. I want you to write this down. This is number one of this story, and I've shared this before, but I want you guys to get in this in life. God loves us enough to let us leave. You see, this father in this story is God, and These two sons are us, and you're one of them today. But God loves us enough to let us leave. Some of you have gone through it. You have experienced a tremendous amount of pain. And I can imagine some of you have seen your own kids leave. Leave the faith, leave this walk, and leave the family, and And as much as it hurts, you had to let him go. And this was the father, and this was what our God does. You see, we see this all throughout the Old Testament where God gives them over to their own behaviors and destructive behavior. Psalm 81.11 says, But my people will not listen to me. Israel would not submit to me. So I gave them over. I let them go. Gave them over to stubborn hearts to follow their own devices. Judges 16.20, one of the scariest verses in the Bible. You might know the story of Samson. He's a guy with big strength, and, but he was running from God his whole life, and he disobeyed God. He lost that strength, and then in a time of need, he called out to God, and this is what happened. Scary verse, verse 20, it says, Then he called Samson, the Philistines are upon you, and he woke from his sleep, Samson did, And he says, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know the Lord had left him. God had cut him loose. Sometimes God loves us enough to give us over to our destructive stupidity, to our own desires. It's like God saying, all right, you want to act like that? Go ahead. Let's see how you enjoy it. Go ahead, Samson. Have at it. Go ahead, young man. Go ahead, young woman. Go ahead, uh, senior adult. If you don't want God, God's not going to twist your arm into his family. He loves you enough to, to let you leave. God will often allow you to fail so that you can see that he is right. Romans 1, 21 to 32, uh, three times it says God gave them over to selfish desires. God gave them over to sinful desires. God then gave them over to shameful lust. God gave them over to the deceits of their heart. God gave them over to deprived thinking. God let them leave. It's in Romans 1. And Mark 10, you might have heard the story of the rich young man who came to Jesus and said, Jesus, man, I want to join your crew. Uh, what do I need to do? And Jesus says, sell everything you have, give it to the poor and follow me. And that man walked off and Jesus let him go. 
He didn't say, whoa, 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 wait, just sell half and come. No, he let him go. Jesus loves us. God loves us enough to let us leave. Jesus says, you want to know something about God in this story? He says, know this. He gave you all that you have. And if you want to live as if he's already dead, go ahead. He will let you. So back to the story in Luke 15, verse 14, it says, after he had spent everything, after that prodigal, after that wasteful son had blew it all, there was a severe famine. So it, just, it was about to get worse and then get devastating. Uh, a severe famine in the whole country. That means the economy crashed. That means the Dow dropped. That means his portfolio was worth nothing. There was little jobs, little work. Uh, it was tough times. There was a great depression in the land. And he began to be in need, the story says. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country. Remember, he's in a distant land that is not Jewish people, so it's a pagan land. So he, to a citizen of that country who sent him out to the fields to feed pigs. Now, that might not seem like a big deal, but to a Jewish person, pigs were the lowliest of all animals. See, pigs will eat anything. They will eat themselves. They will eat each other. They will eat garbage. They will eat trash. They will eat paper. They will eat poop. In fact, I just read something uh, this week in the Middle Ages uh, before there were bathrooms. Guess where they would dispose of all of their toilets? In the pig pens. And the, the pigs would actually eat all of that uh, feces of the... See, these, these animals are considered disgusting to the Jewish. They're, they're, they eat the things that, that are unclean to a Jewish person. So to eat a pig was one thing, disgusting. To work with pigs and then to feed the pigs was the lowliest of the lowest job for this man. So you can imagine all the guys listening to the story going, what? That's like the worst job ever. Not only is it a terrible job, but he's defiling himself. That's what the listeners are hearing. Now, the Pharisees, all the religious folks who are cornering Jesus and why he's hanging out with sinners, they're all listening to the story going, pah, pah, pah. he's defiled himself. He'll never be able to come back into the temple. He'll never know God. So you can imagine to the listeners, this story is pretty intense. Now, verse 16 says, he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. He looked at their slop. He looked at the garbage that they were eating, and it says, and he craved it, the lowest moment of his life. But no one gave him anything. Guys, listen, the world does not care about you. The world did not care about him. It only spent him. You don't have to be eating pig slop to realize your need. But funny how often we have to get there before we can see our need. And I think that's why God sometimes lets us run if we're going to run. Because sometimes it takes the slop and it takes the, the mud and it takes the pigs for us to see our need. There's six steps to the pig pen that this young man took. And, and I want to ask you, what's your pig pen? Maybe your pig pen is, 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 you know, a marriage that's in shambles or finances are in trouble or a relationship that's, that's gone sour. Or maybe it's, it's an addiction or a habit or something that, that you're in bondage to or maybe it's your lifestyle. What is your pig pen? There's six steps that he took to get to that pig pen and the first one was pride. Dad, I want what's mine and I want it now. I don't respect you enough to stay and to honor you. I want my own thing. And then that leads to the next step, selfishness. 
I want what's mine, regardless of how you feel, regardless of how that might affect you, regardless of what this means for the family. I want what's mine, selfish, which led to the next step, separation from loved ones. You know what? I don't need you. I'm going. I'm going on my own, and I'm way over here, and I'm separating myself. You know what happens when people who are heading to the pig pen? They have arrogance and pride. I don't need anybody. I don't need anyone. Selfishness, I want to do what I want to do, and you can't stop me. And this is a big, big, big warning sign. If you're wanting to know if someone's heading to the pig pen, are they separating themselves from the people that love them? When they start separating themselves from their family, start separating themselves from their friends, start separating themselves from church. You know, oftentimes when, when I notice someone's not been here and, and I know that they're not doing well with God, I mean, there's a, it's a big sign that something's going on in their spiritual life because they're separating themselves from the people who love them, which leads to the next step. He got out there, he separated himself from people who could help him, and he became wasteful. He began to spend his life regardless of where it was going and what it would do to him, and then that led to the fifth step. It went from wasteful to reckless. It went to total Poor behavior, poor behavior, uh, just complete disregard of who that might hurt, including himself. And then the last one, foolish choices. Foolish choices. They're actually all foolish choices. Luke 15, 17, this is when it changes for him. It says, when he came to his senses. Man, the kid wised up. I want you to write this down, and that is in life, turning to God is the only option that makes sense. When he came to his senses. In this life, the more we understand, the more we experience the complexities of science, the struggles of pain, of loss and death, or the realities of evil and terror in this world, the more we start to see that God is the only thing that makes sense. Come to your senses. I beg you, come to your senses. Some of you are here, but you're the prodigal. Because in your heart, you're running from God. You're taking steps of pride and selfishness and separation, reckless behavior, poor choices. I'm glad you're here, but come to your senses. Proverbs 14, 12 says, There is a way that seems right to each person, but its end is the way to death. Nothing will make sense without Jesus. Your job, your career, your love life, none of it will make sense without Jesus. The story continues in verse 17. It says, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father. Guilt didn't stop him. (laughs) It was desperation that led him. He was desperate. You know what? Again, sometimes God lets you hit the pavement face first before you can see the beauty of his face. So desperation was leading him, and he says, man, I'm going to go back to my father, and I'm going to say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. He says, I'll be nobody. He had a plan. Beg dad. (laughs) That's the plan. You know, many of you, uh, maybe when you were young, you maybe remember the, what's the plan? I'll I'll beg dad. I'll ask dad. Basically says, any job, dad. I'll be a servant. Verse 20, so he got up and he went to his father. Now, I can imagine that long walk home, that long walk home. I can see him 
playing it over and over in his mind, what he was going to say, rehearsing it, how he was going to say it. The shame, the brokenness, that long walk home from that distant land, he had no money. There was no chariots or no, no boat rides. It was, he was poor, time of famine. He had lost everything. It was all on foot. I blew it. I've sinned. I've sinned against you. I've sinned against God. I'll sleep in the shed, Dad. I, I, I'll eat outside. I, I won't, just take my plate off the table. I, I, I won't even be there. Just, just throw me the scraps off the table. I'll pay back everything. I'll be your servant. Anything, please. Notice the change, though, from when he left. Father, give me my share of the inheritance. Give me what I want. It became I no longer am called to be worthy of your son. Make me like one of your servants. You see, the road home begins with an attitude change. See, there's got to be a real change inside of you in order to have that door swung open for you. Second Chronicles, James, Mark, Romans 12, there's additional stories in the Bible to talk about this complete attitude of change. But here's what it comes down to. To come home to God, we must go from rebellion to brokenness. And here's the core of rebellion says, give me. The core of brokenness says, make me. This is the unique part of this story that is often missed, is that when he left, it's give me, give me, give me. But on the way home, it's make me, make me, make me. You want to know where you are with your walk with God? Real quick. How often do you ask God to make me, and how often are you asking God, give me? Because we find where our heart is on the request that we bring to his table. Some of you guys, you're like, God, give me this job. Give me this marriage. Give me this person. You know, uh, give me this money. Give me this opportunity. Give me this car. Give me, give me, give me. Do you, in the heart, in your heart is a, is a heart of rebellion and selfishness. You're just trying to get whatever you can out of God. See, the heart of a broken person that God desires is, God, make me, make me, make me. I'll be anything you want me to be. I'll go anywhere you want me to go. I'll do whatever you want me to do. Just allow me to be, make me your servant. A major transition here. How do you get home? Down a broken road, realizing your need. Psalm fifty-two, seventeen says, My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart you, God, will not despise. Psalms 34, 18 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Only a broken person can see the way home. And this is when we see the second runner. He's the first runner. The father is the second runner. Look at this in Luke 15, 20. He says, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. Guys, I want you to know something. God is watching you. He sees you in your stupidity. He sees you in your rebellious attitude and your reckless behavior. He sees you and he loves you. He sees you afar off. And he has compassion on you. And he's watching you. 
And then it says this, filled with compassion for him, he ran to his son. Now to the listeners, to these Hebrew listeners and to the Pharisees, you're like, what? There's no way that this older man would run to a son that is completely disrespectful. You need to realize how they viewed the fathers in the home. The father was a distinguished person of respect who was not to in any way act immature or even to run or show signs of weakness or brokenness. So here we have a father who's running to his family and they would have thought, man, what a lack of dignity. So the audacity of this father and his compassion to run to his son and put his arms around his son, they're like, wow, man, this is breaking all the stereotypes. After what that son has done, how much he trashed his dad and his dad's reputation, he runs. He says he threw his arms around him and he kissed him. Man, what a sign of grace. I can imagine dad sees him in the distance. He said, man, is that my son? Son, is that you? He drops everything. He drops everything and he just darts for the road. And he runs to him. And his, man, his dad's big farmer arms and, and hands go around him. Just strong arms from years of working on a farm. Squeezing him. Saying, son, I love you. Welcome home. Kissing him on the cheek. He squeezes him. Tears are coming out of both their faces. He receives him before his son could even speak a word. So his son begins to try out the words that he's been rehearsing all that walk home. And he says this, the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be your son. I boom, And nothing else comes out. The rest never gets out because the father jumps in and shouts this. But the father says, quick, bring the best robes and put it on him, man. Get him some new clothes, man. You smell bad. Get him some new clothes. Put a ring on his finger. <laughs> Almost broke out in the single lady song there. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Man, the ring, by the way, was a sign of his future. That ring symbolized that you are my son and you have a future with me. You are part of this family and you have a legacy and inheritance still with me. That ring is a powerful reminder. He said, bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. Man, the biggest calf we have, man, let's party. He's home. For a son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, so they began to celebrate. By the way, there's five signs of God's grace in this picture. Five signs of the Father's grace, and that is the kiss, the robe, the ring, the sandals, the feast. The kiss was a sign of his forgiveness. The robe was a sign of honor. God clothes us in righteousness as well. The ring was a sign of his authority. You're now my son and you are with me and I call you mine. The sandals were a sign of freedom for the servants went barefoot. And the feast was a sign of the joyful welcome that even, even the guilty can have when they just come home. I can imagine the lost son begins to weep. It's my dad. My dad loves me. My dad loves me. And I'm so glad I came home. He sets the table. He brings the chair up to the table. He says, son, lost the cup. He says, son, I have a table placed just for you. Come sit with me. But here's a third runner. There's three runners in this story. 
The table was set, but there's someone missing. It was the oldest son. Luke 12, uh, 15, 25, it says, Meanwhile, the older son was in the field, working hard for his father, working hard for his dad. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. He hears the party. He sees the smoke of the barbecue. Man, the music, the crowd. So he called one of the servants over and he asked him, What is going on? And he says, Man, your brother's come home. And your father's killed a fatted calf because he's back and he's safe and sound. He's, man, I got to get more tables. I, I got to get more chairs. Where, where, where's, where's the plastic plates? And he starts running around. He says, I got to go. Dad's, your dad's calling me. So he's, and all of a sudden the son who's out in the field working hard for his father starts to get angry. The older brother, verse 28, became angry and refused to go to the party. So his father went out to him, just like he went out to the other son. This is a cool moment here. The dad leaves the table, leaves that relationship to, to run to his son that's been running. And the son that's working in the field, that's working hard, he leaves to welcome him too. So he goes out to him and he pleads with him. He urges with him. But he answered his father, says, look at all these years. All these years I've been slaving for you. And you never, and I never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, interesting how he just disowned him as family, this son of yours, not my brother, your son, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home. You kill the fatted calf for him? Man, you give him a big party barbecue? Way to go, Dad. Totally uncool. And I've never, ever done anything to hurt you, and you've never done anything like this for me. It makes no sense. What have you ever done for me? Sounds like last week's parable, doesn't it? Where he gave each one of them according to what the vineyard master wanted, and it was a story of envy. There's a little envy here going on. He says, I always did things right. I always worked hard. I was faithful, never got drunk, never got high, never got stoned. Waited for marriage. God, what about me? What are you going to do for me? What about my efforts? Where's my party? Where's my ring? I've tried my best, and I still don't feel like you love me, Father. And this is what the Father says. He says, my son, I love that, my son. The Father said, you're always with me. Everything I have is yours. He says, I love you, I know you, I see you, and I see what you do. Look around, see all this? It's yours already. It's always been yours. He says, but we had to celebrate. We had to. And be glad because your brother, this brother of yours, he puts it back. He's not just my son, he's your brother. He says, this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he's found. See, there's another son that was <laughs> running from his dad, running from the family. He tells his other son, your chair is empty too. Will you come to the table? I want you to write this down. God's love has to be accepted. It cannot be earned. 
Your work with me on this farm does not earn my favor, son. You have my favor because you were born into my family. That's the key of that older son's story. Ephesians 2a says, For it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast or that no one can be can brag about it being your efforts. Three big things, three big walkaways of this story that I think Jesus was really trying to nail home. And this is the first thing, God's outrageous love. God's amazing love for those who are lost. Remember, the question was, Jesus, why are you hanging around all these sinners? Why are you hanging around all these prostitutes and all these uh, wild men and these tax collectors and these pagans? Why are you hanging around all these sinful people? Let me tell you a story about how I love these sinners and how I love these people who have who've been broken by the world and who have made poor choices and who are confused. Let me tell you a story about how our Father in heaven, who I am in the flesh representing, how much he loves these people that I hang around. It's the heart of God. God's amazing love for those who are lost, for those who blow it, the guilty, the foolish, those considered hopeless, those who run. You see, this isn't a story of the victim. This is the story of the victimizer. See, that son that went on the run, he's guilty. He is guilty. Jesus spent a lot of time defending those that were innocent, but he also reached out to those that were guilty. This is the beauty of the grace of God that is hard to accept. The guilty are welcome in the kingdom. God's heart for you, his compassion for you. This is about the heart we are to have towards others and how we should respond to those who come home. The big idea of this parable is don't ever forget the lost one and how precious they are to God. Here's the second thing that we need to realize the big idea of the story is that the consequences of rebellion. You see, running will always leave you devastated. Some of you are running right now. You're on the edge of running, or maybe you're in full-blown, you know, marathon mode, and you are running away from God. You're running from your family. You're running from your, your friends. You're running from your spouse, and you are running. There are consequences to your rebellion. There's, gonna, there's always consequences. You can't expect to live recklessly and avoid the cost of your choices. Some things were lost forever. You need to realize a third of that father's inheritance that he gave to his son was lost forever. That son never got that inheritance back. He had to work back to get that inheritance and to help his father to be able to give him something. Even when God welcomes you back, there are consequences. The pain of your poor choices, suffering, loss, broken heart, divorce, addiction, STDs. Your rebellion will take you places that you will have to live through the consequences of your choices. Don't be fooled. It's not just a break from God and you'll be fine when you get back. Running from God always has devastating consequences. But if you come home, there's a great eternity Moving forward, there's a great future for you. Here's the third thing I want you to know, is that the selfishness, 
there is a, Jesus talks about the selfishness and the stupidity of the religious. And I just want to put Christians right there for a minute. Because this is the issue. Remember, he's telling this story to the Pharisees. Jesus, why are you hanging around all these sinful people? Let me tell you a story. You see, guys, the people I'm having dinner with, he says to the Pharisees, all these lost people that I'm having dinner with, that's the son that ran. But he says, you, you grumpy religious folks, you're the one in the field. You're the bratty older brother trying to earn your way to God. Grumpy because you're having to do what is right all the time. So many Christians become grumpy, angry, and jealous. They're like, God, man, I'm trying to be a good Christian, but doggone it. I'm single and I'm not having sex. I think God would understand this. You know, God, I'm trying to do what's right. I'm going to church. And my family, my kids hate me. I'm not getting, man, I, I've been tithing for a year now, and I'm getting broker every day. God, I'm angry, I'm mad, I'm, and so you walk around just a, just a mean old person or mean young person. I, you ever known a Christian like that? They're just the grumps. They don't, they don't show the life and the light and the glory and the goodness of God's joy in their life, they're just, they're just unpleasant Christians. They're a prodigal too because they're wasting that grace and that love and that, that gift that God gave them. They're just as prodigal as the runner. And so Jesus says, hey, religious folks, stop being babies. <laughs> You're breaking the heart of your dad. This attitude is not the life your dad has for you. See, the prodigals are all of us. Isaiah 53, 6 says, we are all like sheep. We've all gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. So I have a question for you. Where are you in the family? I've got this graph right here. Where are you in the family? John 10, 10 says that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's the enemy, Satan. But Jesus said, but I've come to give you life and life abundant. That's the sweet spot of your walk with God, abundant life. If you're not experiencing, you know, table fellowship with your father because you're out in the field volunteering, doing all kinds of things, trying to do whatever. You're out here trying to do whatever you can to make dad happy God says, just stop and come to the table. And some of you, you're running, and you think that whatever the world has to offer is going to be better than what's at the table. It's not. It'll just leave you devastated and broken. Come to the table. See, there's two prodigals in this story, but there's three runners. That man who ran from the table, this man who ran from the table, and this, the father who ran to both. So I'm going to invite you to come. Are you the youngest son searching for life, lost in the world, trying to find God? Are you the oldest son slaving for your life, lost in the kingdom, trying to earn God? Both were lost. Where are you on the spectrum? This is a story of three runners. But the invitation to the sons is the same. Come to the table and sit with me. So run if you are a seeker. 
run home. Return to God's love if you are a stumbler and rejoice if you are a sold-out son and daughter sitting at the table already. The prodigal story, the father was ready. All he had to do, all they had to do was just come home. So I want to pray for you right now. Father, I pray, Lord, for the prodigals in this room. God, those that are searching in the world and those that are trying to find God in the things of this world, the pleasures of this world, and those that are trying to earn God through their good works and efforts. God, there's some Pharisees in this room, and there's some, there's some reckless, wasteful sons in this room and daughters in this room. And Father, I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to understand the outrageous love you have for us. That outrageous love. If you're here right now this morning and you recognize yourself as a runner, maybe you've been trying to earn your way to God and maybe you're just looking for everything to satisfy your life, but now you realize what you've been looking for all along is the Father. It's Jesus. We just take a moment just to talk to God. He's inviting you to come to the table this morning. Come break bread with the Father. Come enjoy the fellowship of restored relationship with the Creator. Come receive that kiss, that robe, that ring, the sandals, and the feast in your honor. Right where you are, we just, if that's you, we just acknowledge, God, I'm a runner. I've been, I've been looking, I've been searching, I've been working hard to try to please you or to please myself and God right now I'm tired I'm, I'm tired of trying I'm tired of running I'm tired of I'm just exhausted Father and I need you God says come to the table come on and have a seat with me let's laugh together let's enjoy each other's relationship I want to challenge you maybe you're here today where you just ask God to make you his servant. Father, make me your servant. God, forgive me of my sin. Wash me clean of all my stupidity. And make me a servant. God, I'll, I'll be anything you want me to be. I'll do anything you want me to do. And I'll go anywhere you send me. Here I am. Your son, your daughter. God good. Isn't he good? Thank you for listening to the Living with Church podcast. If you enjoyed this message, we hope you come visit us in Garland, Texas. For directions and more information about the church, go to www.livingwaychurch.cc.